0: We're talking about the importance of prayer, right? Everybody knows it is, it, it, prayer is so important that we need to pray. In fact, I know we just passed Martin Luther King uh, Jr.'s day, uh, but he, he once said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Do you hear that? So Martin Luther King said, hey, to be a Christian and if you're not praying, that's like you're dead, basically. You can't be alive without breathing, right? Okay? Okay. If you're a Christian, prayer is like breathing. Without prayer, it's like you're not living. Well, why do we need to pray? Why is it so important to pray? We all know it's important, but why? Now, this morning, uh, I think I've done this before, but I'm not actually going to talk about the mechanics of prayer. I'm not, we're not going to be uh, looking at how to pray necessarily necessarily. Maybe we'll talk about this some other time, but we're only talk. Uh, we want to talk about uh, through the scripture why we need to pray and what. Why is it so important? So, in order for us to do that, let's turn to Ephesians chapter six, verse ten through eighteen this morning. Ephesians chapter six, verses ten through eighteen. This is a very well-known verse, familiar verse for a lot of people. Um, so, uh, Ephesians chapter six, verse ten through eighteen, and let me read this for us. in the uh, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints this is the word of the lord amen now some of you to some of you uh, this is a very familiar passage uh, especially regarding spiritual warfare anytime we want to talk about spiritual warfare this is kind of the go-to passage you know uh, they list out different pieces of armor you know um and you need to have all of these things so that you can fight against the devil right um and, and this is one of those uh, go-to passages for that right so uh we're, we're familiar uh with this passage now but i just want to uh, highlight a couple of things uh from this text um as we uh, try to understand why it's so important to pray um If you look at uh, verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And he says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then what does he say? He goes on to say, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, uh, the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Right? And then he goes on to say, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. And he goes on to continue to say, stand firm. So there's a lot of language about standing firm. You got to stand your ground. You got to stand against the devil's schemes, right? Now, this is very interesting to me because, to us, really, because, you know, the, the author of Ephesians, Paul, right? He's talking about this, and and. He knows that Christ has won the victory. He knows that the war has been won. On the cross and through the resurrection, the the war, it's it's over, it's done. But his speech here, his his, his teaching here, his writing here is not really triumphalistic, right? It's like, oh, we are done. We're victorious. God, live in victory, you know? That's what almost you would expect. But actually, when you read it, it sounds kind of grim, it sounds kind of like, oh, man, maybe the worst is still yet to come. He's saying, hey, it's all done, but you've got to be equipped in the word and all these things and the knowledge of the gospel to what? To stand your ground against the devil's schemes. It sounds like it's not over. It sounds like the battle is not over. The so struggle continues. He's also reminding the readers that there's much more going on than what our eyes can see physically. Now, this is something that, you know, I think Christians or people who are not even Christians but are spiritual, right? Uh, That's kind of trendy, right? Okay? Um, They can recognize some of these things. But he's reminding the church here, look... What you see isn't everything, and he's specifically naming them out, right? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. I mean, we, we, we see all the conflicts happening in the world right now, even within our own nation. I mean, did you see how many demonstrations happened on the inauguration day, Right? Uh, I mean, it's... Uh, and, and you know that I don't talk about politics, and so I'm not going to. I'm only talking about what happened that day. Regardless of your political view or standing, I mean, did you see in all major cities of our nation... Okay, uh, I think there was uh, some demonstrations in Europe too. Uh, and, and, uh, look at this, this type of uh, all these types of things that are happening in the world. This conflicts, you know, conflict of ideology, conflict of philosophy, and, and passions, right? And, and and all the wars that are happening. You know, constant talks of nuclear, uh, you know, weapons and terrorism and all these things, and. and 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 he's saying and these are the things that we can see. These are the things that we can smell. I can smell the 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 you know the, the gunpowder. I can smell the uh, you know the, the blood. I could you know uh, I could see these horrific images on TV. And these are the things that we can visually see and physically touch and feel, right? But he says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against these things, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The things that we see and feel, are they they not real? No, of course they're real. But they're manifestations of what is happening in the heavenly realms, in our physical world. And he's saying you gotta be able to see through that. Because if you're only struggling against, if you're only looking at what you see physically and touch and, and, and then, then then you're not seeing the whole picture. He's saying you our fight, our struggle is not against these things, but what's behind these things the temptations we face, the, 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 the struggle, daily struggle for myself as well, daily struggle and, and conflict within my own soul with every day trying not to sin, trying not to stumble. You know, these things, it's not against flesh and blood. It's what is behind flesh and blood, he says. And he's saying you need to stand your ground and it's not really charge, you know? That's not what he's saying. Isn't that interesting? That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's coming. It's coming. So you gotta put all this stuff on, all right? And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta plant your feet and and stand guard. You gotta stand your ground. It's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be easy. And he goes on to list all these things that we we are familiar with, right? With your belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all, this, take up the shield of faith. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And he lists all these things. You got to put all these on, and you got to stand your ground. Following God it sounds like it's not that easy. It's not that easy. It's not, it's not something that you verbally confess and say, oh, yeah, I accepted the Lord in my heart, and I'm good. You know, I got my ticket. You know, I'm good. That's what so many people uh, seem to believe their salvation is. But it sounds like it's not. It's not. There's so much more happening. And you need to be able to see what is behind uh, what you see, the flesh and blood, right? Now, after all of this, you know, he he tells them what's happening, and you need to be aware that that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, you know, all these things. After all of this, what does he say? What does he say? Take the helmet of salvation in verse 17. um, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, you'll notice that the, all the verses leading up to it, they are just lists of armor equipment, right? Okay? Pray here, uh, when he says pray, it's not one of them. It's not in the same list, okay? Um, and, and so when he, he lists all these things and he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert, And always keep on praying for all the saints. Why do we need to pray? Why should we pray? Why do we pray? He says all of these things. I say you need to pray all the time, all the time, all the time. Well, we pray because God commands us to pray. Very obvious, right? I mean, it says here, Paul says, you need to pray. And we know that all throughout the scriptures, is God, you need to pray. Jesus I mean, Mitch led us in, in that Lord's Prayer, right? And, and he says, Jesus, in fact, says when you pray, not if you pray. If you choose to pray, if you feel like praying, if you've got time to pray, pray. No, he says, when you pray, pray this, right? So we know we are commanded to pray. But what for? But what for? It's not for God's sake. It's for our sake. God says, you need to pray because I'm, I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you out. And if we're staying with this battle analogy, this weaponry uh, analogy, right? Um, uh, uh, there's a picture that, that came to mind, and uh, I, I searched for a while to, to find this picture. Um, I think, do, do we have this picture on there? Um, this is uh, from World War II, I think 1942. Uh, there you go, Solomon Islands, Right? Um, I'm sure you've seen uh, you know, a bunch of different war movies, uh, Saving Private Ryan, right? Um, uh, there's a new one out by Mel Gibson, or is it coming out? Uh, you know, but how many of you like war movies? Yeah? Uh, yeah, why? Why do you like them? They're just, what? Uh, there's, there's so many things happening in war movies, like heroism and sacrifice and, and, and patriotism and, and just... just Blood and grit and it's just you know all these things right, and if you throw in a little bit of romance in there, oh man, you got a masterpiece right there right okay but but i you know um I love like uh movies about world movies about like the old war, right, and, uh, um, you know, one of the things, if you've watched any movies about World War II, even one, is that they don't fight like how we fight now, I mean, it's super high tech, you know, everybody's like in their little control booth, and drone strikes, and all these things, right, it's like literally like playing video games, um, and of course, we got, you know, military on the ground, and all these things, but back then, you know, they, they have to... Uh, they, they had to carry so much stuff with them, and, and it was really uh, difficult. They didn't have this wireless technology and all of this stuff to communicate with the headquarters, right? So I don't know if you remember seeing, from seeing any of your uh, the, the war movies, but there is always, in every unit, they have a what? A soldier that carries like, a huge, like a telephone booth, right, basically. Right? It's this heavy thing with the telephone re- thing on it, right, receiver on it, and they have to do... They're trying to generate electricity, right, okay? Um, right, and then, they, you know, the fire's coming, oh, and then, uh, you know, radio, radio, right? And then they come, and, and he's trying to get to the, uh, right? Until before the, the wireless, the, the technology came in, um, and even World War II, actually, they had the, the uh, uh, ability to transmit I mean, communication through the, um, uh, like, radio frequent waves. But uh, um, until then, and even during World War II, the preferred means of communication was... By using actual cable. So you see in this picture, right, what are they doing? You know what that is? They're not setting up like fence. That's actual telephone wire. Right? So on one end where it started from is what? The headquarters. And and depending on how many miles they go, they're carrying that and they gotta lay that wire down. You know, and then when they get to wherever they need to get to, the front lines, and that's how they will communicate. So you just cut that off, then you're done. You can't communicate, right? Okay. There's a whole division in the army. They, they, all, they, uh, try, all they work on is communication. They try to enhance communication between uh, the military you know, personnel and, and all of these things, right? So it, within the U.S. Army, there's a, a unit called Signal Corps of U.S. Army. And... Uh, They have this long uh, vision statement, sort of. um, And uh, uh, I'm just going to read the second part, uh, the last part for you. um, uh, And they they list out what they do, you know, support for command and control of combined arms, forces, and all these things. Um, And the the last part I thought was very interesting. Um, This is for the U.S. Army Signal Corps. They said... Um, they integrate tactical, strategic, sustaining-based communications, information processing, and management systems into a seamless global information network that supports knowledge dominance for army, joint, and coalition operations, right? This is some serious stuff, and it sounds like without them, there is no communication happening, Right? Okay? They are very central part, very crucial part of everything that's happening on the field. Yeah, I know the snipers are important. I know the guy who rolls a tank is important, The drives the Humvee, and, and the guy in that, uh, the hurt locker, did you, did you watch that movie? The guy in the, the, the bomb suit, right? uh, dismantling the bomb. Everybody's important, but who ties all of these things together? Right? Who informs what's happening over there in North Korea to the general that's you know on a, on a, on a uh, 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 what do you call it a big big carrier uh, aircraft carrier in the in the Middle East? You know that they need to change course and go over there because they're about to launch some crazy stuff over there. Who who coordinates all of this stuff? Who makes it possible? This unit, right? Communication, right? Through they're not doing that anymore, by the way. Just in case you're worried, maybe North Korea. I don't know. I'm just kidding. But you know. But the U.S. Army, we're, we're, we're far more advanced than that, right? Now, uh, I'm not talking about uh, the, the, the arms conflict and, and what we believe about fighting and all these things, okay? Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. But in war, this is absolutely crucial. Maintaining communication, keeping a line of communication open. Not just between two parties, but two, three, four, five, ten, hundred, thousands of different people. Right units, places, stations, headquarters, bases, individuals. You got all this spiritual armor on. You got the helmet of the belt of truth, and you know the sword, a shield, and and you know breastplate of righteousness, feet that's ready to go with gospel of peace. You know, you got all these things. But how do they all come together so that we can stand our ground? He says, You gotta pray. You gotta pray. You gotta keep that line of communication open with their headquarters. You gotta maintain communication with your general. Because he's going to be the one looking at, you know, from the drones or whatever, the satellite, and telling you, hey, you know, this is what's happening over here. You know, all the, uh, there's this happening over there. That's, that's coming. And, and I need you to go here. I need you to go there. I need you to stay here. I need you to stand guard. You know, I need you to run. I need you to step back. You know, you got to keep this line of communication open because otherwise you got all this stuff and you're just wreaking havoc everywhere, you know. Um, or, or you're just standing somewhere like, oh, where am I supposed to be? And, and Paul is saying, basically, you know, you got all these things, but what ties all of this together is prayer. you got to keep this line of communications, com- communication open with the headquarters. That's what he's saying. Because when we realize, Paul begins by talking about there's much more happening behind the scenes. Our struggle is not against what we're seeing here. And so you need to equip yourself with all of these things, basically the truth of the gospel, and what, all of, what ties all of it together, gives you perspective, is prayer. Prayer. Because without prayer, we're lost. And according to Martin Luther King, without prayer, we're dead. We're dead. There's a very well-known quote. Um, how many of you uh, like the movie The Usual Suspects? Anybody ever watch? Ah, oh, one of my favorite movies. You know, such a great movie, right? And uh, Kevin Spacey. Um, what an amazing actor, right? Um, uh, anyway, there's a line he says um, in the movie, not his own, okay? And he says what? The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was what? Convincing the world that he did not exist, right, okay, uh, and that's, uh, woo, when you hear it, you're like, oh man, that's, that's deep, right, that, that's, you know, that's good stuff, but you know that he was quoting somebody else, right, and a lot of people um, think that it came from C.S. Lewis, and it, he, he does talk about it uh, in his uh, book, Screw Tape Letters, which is, if you haven't read it, I think I may have mentioned it before, uh, I, I love the book, uh, and I talked about it, and Jeannie actually uh, gave me a set of audio CDs, she probably forgot, <laughs> an audio book of Screw Tape Letters, but it's it's uh, kind of like the captain demon coaching his younger demon how to mess with uh, his human you know, person that he's assigned to, right? And it's, it's, it's just a, a series of correspondences between the uh, uh, the two, two, two demons, you know. It's really interesting. But anyway, uh, he talks about the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. But actually, C.S. Lewis wasn't the first person who said this. It actually comes from a poet named Charles Baudelaire, okay? And, and he, in his book, he talks about how the... the, the um, the, the the demon the devil uh, you know this exact thing the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist because if you can convince the world that the devil didn't exist as you know by default there is no god either okay and, and so if you can convince the world that there is no such thing as uh, the demon or the devil or satan uh, you know then then there's there's no god um, without prayer. You may have all this fancy gear on yourself, but you're kind of, what's out there? You don't know. You can't see clearly. Do you understand that? Your perspective, your vision is impaired or deceived. It's very, now this, you got to hear this very carefully. For us believers as well, it's very easy to live in this world as if the devil didn't exist even for those of us who say we believe in God, I I believe in God, Jesus Christ saved me and I follow him with all my life. Even people who confess those things, at least verbally, it's still very easy to live in the world as if there is no Satan. But Paul says, you gotta stand your ground because, oh man, it's not gonna be easy. He's not just talking about people trying to kill you because you're Christians the temptations we face, things that pull us away from walking close to the Lord. You've got to stand your ground. How, how? Through prayer. Through prayer. Through prayer. That's why we got to pray. You know, I'm, I'm going to close with this. The how I think about prayer, you know, it's uh, and and all all things all analogies, you know, break down somewhere, but you know, fall apart somewhere. But and for me, uh, it, it's I think about it like I think of it like this. Um, for how many of you is your native tongue is your native language English, like you consider? Yeah. For how many of you, your your native language something else besides you know English, yeah something else? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, native language. Uh, we the thing about native language is that uh, when I, what i real, realized was that uh, people who don't speak english as their native tongue right so for example i mean you know i'm 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 i'm, I'm korean so in korea or even in china uh, they are very, they study English like it's science, right? Because it's a second language, right? And they study grammar, they study vocabulary, and they, they study all these things. And, uh, um, and, and there, in fact, if you were to give them an exam and a native English speaker, right? Um, an exam breaking down, uh, just gr- drilling them on grammar and, and you know, uh, all, all these things, um, uh, the technicalities, the uh, mechanics of the language, right? A lot of times they, score better right okay even though they didn't uh, grow up with it but it doesn't matter because in everyday life who speaks it better right and you don't have to before you say anything you don't have to stop and okay the subject the verb and the tense and present you know participle like you know you don't have to think about it go through it in your head and then spit out a sentence right that's carefully crafted right you know, native speakers you don't do that it just comes right it just comes because what you you were born into it you before you could even you know uh wipe your own butt or whatever. That's what you heard. In your mother's womb, you heard that language, whether it was English or Chinese or Korean or Japanese or or Spanish, whatever it may have been. That's what you heard. You were born into it and you grew up with it. You never, you know, they never taught you. Your parents never taught you when you were two, just barely able to make out certain sentences or whatever. You know, oh, you know, you need to stop that because your subject is in the wrong place and they never did that. You just kind of grew into it and you don't think that's why when somebody tells you to break it down, you know, they, they, uh, and the same thing in China, too. I remember uh, when we first went to, when we first moved there, uh, we, we got into a taxi and uh, we, I, I, I couldn't, you know, my Chinese wasn't, my Mandarin wasn't as good. So somebody had written down where we needed to go. And, uh, but I didn't know exactly how to say it. I knew the, the you know, the characters, uh, the, you know, the in but the tones were still really messy. You know that Mandarin is a very difficult language, tonal. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I showed the cab driver, this is where we want to go, and uh, this is like the 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 the, the Beijing. Um, person like there there are people called the Beijing uh, Beijing are basically and and they're like they didn't migrate to Beijing they're from Beijing you know uh, and and you could tell because most cab drivers they speak with heavy heavy Beijing accent it sounds like they have a bunch of pebbles in their mouth that's why it sounds like you know um, and uh, uh but you know, wherever I go somewhere else, they say, oh, you're from Beijing. You know, they, I picked up Beijing accent. But anyway, um, you know, I asked him just because he said, okay, you know, I'll take you there. But I was curious, and I wanted to practice my Chinese, so I showed him the paper. I said, can you read it to me in the, in the tone, you know? And, and he, he, he was messing up the tone. Like, I asked him to break down each character's tone. He knew how to say it all together. You know that tones change when you put different characters together. Um, uh, so when I asked him to break it down letter by letter, character by character, he's like ah I can't I don't remember. You know? He could say it or just you know just say it, but when I asked him to break it down, he couldn't do it, right? Now prayer. What what, what does all this have to do with prayer? You know, when when you grow up in a certain context, culture, you know, you you become so natural at it. You don't have to think about it. And and you see, you hear, I see the sign exit. Like, I don't have to think, what are those red symbols? Oh my gosh, you know, there's like fire burning everywhere. Oh, I wonder what that is. You know, I gotta pull up my dictionary and check. No, you don't do that. You look at it and automatically you just react, right? You see the world around you, you, interpret the world around you, process the world around you. In a matter of milliseconds and you react. You act because that's what you know you're familiar with it you're in it but when you have to when you're thrust into a new culture and you are forced to or you want to learn a new language right when you start out it is like that. You see these letters, and you're like, "What are these? You know things? How do I read that? You know?" Um, and uh, and uh, everything is a puzzle. It's it's a mystery to you, right? And uh, when you first start to learn a new language, it's not easy. You know, you gotta learn to write. You got it, the symbols don't make sense to you, and, and and you gotta learn to read. You gotta learn to say it and speak it, and all. It's very difficult. But you know that, like with any subject, in the beginning, once you get up the very beginning, the initial hump, there is a very quick progress there, there's a very quick uh, improvement and you're like oh this is fun i could hear oh i could say my name is mike wow this is great and i could you know oh, that your name is grace great you know hey, you want to go on a date no you know you could you could start to do these things and you feel like your improvement is happening really rapidly because of very simple things like where's the bathroom you know oh what time is it oh where is the closest restaurant you know these things come very fast and you feel like oh man i'm actually communicating i'm understanding these symbols right and then what happens you hit a ceiling and it's like what i thought i i, I thought i was hearing you know things i was able to decipher the code of this culture but all of a sudden i hit a big huge ceiling and I don't understand anything they're saying. I can't hear anything. I, I don't, I can't. All of a sudden, I stutter, and, and I, don't, I can't even say, where's the bathroom anymore for some reason. You know, I start to stutter. Because I, I have way more information now in my head, right? But you got to, that's where a lot of people give up studying the language, when you study second or third language, right? Everyone's just stuck there. They're, they're, they're stuck at what is called what? Survival Chinese, survival English, survival Spanish. But you gotta get over that. You gotta, you gotta get over that. And that's gonna be not easy. That, you gotta, that's tough. You gotta work through it. But once you get over it, and, you, and things start to make sense in your head, I don't know if you have ever studied any second, third language, or even if you study musical instrument. There comes a time. The tr- in the beginning, was fun. And then it's, it's difficult. You don't want to practice. You don't want to, you know, write down vocab like a thousand times every day. And, and you don't want to do all this. But then you keep at it. Like you got to get over it. You know, I, there, there is a reward. You know, I want to understand this. You get over it. You get through it. And I kid you not. And those of you who have experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. Suddenly, oh, I can hear what they're saying. Did I just seriously understand what the headline of the news said? Seriously? Oh, the chords actually make sense. Before it was mechanics. I know that the four chord comes from one uh, after five, and then you usually go to five, and there's a turnaround, and I know the mechanics of it, but suddenly when you're listening to radio, some Justin Bieber song, whatever it is, I won't judge, you know, even if that's what you listen to. It was, I'm like, oh, oh. That baseline. He went from four to five, and then back to six, and then oh, I heard it, I heard it, I heard it. Oh man, if you've experienced, you know what I'm talking about. If, if you've gone through, and this goes for anything, right? Any any craft. But it's because it's not your native language. You don't speak in programming language. Right? You gotta learn programming language. You don't speak in medical language. You don't speak in musical language. You don't we've gotta learn these things. Prayer. You understand? Because of our sinful nature, it doesn't come natural to us. It doesn't. And when we first believe, when we first you know get to know christ it's exciting it's like honeymoon period and it's like oh my gosh jesus is everywhere he's with me and and then boom you hit a ceiling the first time you stumble again the first time you sin again the first time you you know uh, whatever happens it is you you hit a ceiling and you're like oh what's what's happening because it's not natural to us and paul says you gotta pray and what does it say when all occasions with all kinds of requests, you gotta pray, you gotta pray, you gotta keep the line of communications open. And I'm telling you, I am telling you, I am telling you. And and please don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anywhere near as holy as you know some of you think I am because I know some of you like when I'm talking, it's like, oh, you're so holy, you don't understand. I'm like, oh man, if you knew the things going on in my head, you know. Uh, so I'm not, but, but, but just for all of us, not just me, okay, all of us, when we pray, when we're so, uh, last night, I, I love what Mitch said, uh, he was sharing in the group, and he said, one of my more sanctified moments, you know, and I thought that was just so great, and we all have moments like that in our life, right, you know, when you're in prayer, when you're in tune with the spirit, you look around, and, and you become intensely aware of the spiro- spiritual realm, you know, the decisions you need to make, how you need to talk to this person, how you need to listen to this person, you know, what you should do. The, uh, prayer. That line of communication with God. The in the truth, the Spirit. God is informing us and with have